Take your Bibles and turn over to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. Father, we come to you knowing that you are God and you are good. Father, we come longing to know you more. Father, we know that in order to know you more, we need our hearts to be exposed. For we are often prone to think much more high of ourselves than you. So, Lord, we, we ask now that you, you change us and you transform us and you help us to see you know you and enjoy you and delight in you. Your word is good and you are good. We praise you. Help me, Lord. We believe. Help our unbelief. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, well, it's going to be a little different today, and, and I apologize for that. I, uh, you, uh, in advance, you probably understand a little why, uh, bit why uh, it would be a little different today. Uh, y'all have all been so very uh, patient and compassionate and gracious to me this week and our family. We're, we're just very, very thankful. Uh, but I, I kind of want to start here, <laughs> and and then we'll come back to him at the end. But uh, that's Luke. He got up and got a shower this morning. Mama got him all cleaned up, and he's ready to watch. And he is watching on live stream. So uh, unlike most of you, I don't call you out from the service. But hi, Luke. <laughs> I love you, little man. And I love that amazing lady sitting next to you. She is absolutely beautiful, uh, and I'm thankful for her. So, love you guys. Last week's sermon, we focused on Acts 2.42. Remember, it stated they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. We saw the early church was continually devoted to four spiritual disciplines. We saw they were continually devoted to the Word, to fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I remember praying last week that our church would be 
a church that was of the word, a church that was full of fellowship, a church that was all about coming together, a, a church that was committed to the Lord's Supper, and a church that was committed to prayer. Well, beloved, I've seen all four on display this week. Just a few examples I've experienced this week. The meals team coming together in a big way to provide meals. Man, if you brought another meal to us now, we don't have any more room in the refrigerators and uh, freezer and Mark's refrigerator and David's refrigerator. Now, <laughs> it's just packed. Thank you. Thank you, Grace. Wednesday night service was packed, and it's again packed today. We all have prayed together, wept together, celebrated the Word together. It's been a great week. GOC, I hear, Grace on Campus, they came together and people came from outside of Grace on Campus because they just wanted to pray with the group. And three of the young men preached from the Bible, taught the Word, which was glorious. Thankful for that. Uh, Y'all don't need me. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Not to mention the number of times of fellowship I've had with many of you this week uh, through messages, phone calls, and visits from the hospital. I've wept with you in the hospital and prayed with many of you over the phone, and it's just been a great week. I have seen Acts 2 this week. The text messages, emails, Facebook messages, including tons of Bible verses, Bible encouragements, Bible admonishments. There's been times when y'all have admonished me through the Word, and at the very moment you're admonishing me, it's like the Spirit was using you to call me back to look to Him, look to Him, trust Him. Uh, So encouraged. The Word has gone out from Grace Bible Church this week. Praise the Lord. And prayer. Oh, wow. What did I tell you? I said last week, our weakness is prayer, right? Didn't I tell you? We were a praying church this week. Praise God. It wasn't just together. It was everywhere. Y'all were doing it. You were praying constantly. And I was praying. Could you tell? I cannot tell you how encouraged Brendan and myself are just seeing it. If anyone ever tells you, I've never seen an Acts 2 church in action, tell them, GBCT looked like an Acts 2 church January 5th week. We did. Praise the Lamb, right? I'm a believer. I've seen it. I've seen the Spirit working in a great way through you all. And I'm excited. I've wept with you. I've rejoiced with you. I've worshipped with you. I've taught. I've learned from you all. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Spirit is alive and active in this church. So we all, we all have reason to rejoice, don't we? The corporate body of Christ is definitely on display. By the way, I just want to make something clear. I saw the universal church working too. Just so we don't think that it's only GBCT. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. There's a greater body out there. There are churches around the world praying for Luke. Beloved, Jesus is alive and active, and he is building his church, I promise you. His church is much bigger than these walls, 
The Spirit is working and Christ is building His church and the Father is being exalted around the world. Praise God, right? Now this week I want to take a break from Acts for one, maybe two Sundays for obvious reasons. My mind and attention have been on these verses that I had in Scripture from Proverbs. So instead of Acts, we'll talk about Proverbs 3. My friends, I'm, I'm taking you today into the pastor's home this week. I'm going to give you a glimpse into my own heart this week. I talk often about counseling our own hearts, right? Talk about that. Today, I want to give you a glimpse into what I've been telling myself all week long. I've been preaching at myself all week long. I've been telling my heart this over and over all week long. So this week we turn from the corporate body life to the individual's Christian life. How do we as believers live? Our verses today give us a beautiful outline of the believer's personal walk with God. Beloved, these have been the main scriptures for me this week. Like the psalmist counsels his own heart in Psalm 42. When he spoke the truth to his soul, O soul, why are you weary and downcast? I talked to my soul this week. And the words I was preaching to my soul were these words. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I've said it so many times before. Knowing the word is nothing if it's not properly applied to the heart of a believer. And folks, I've studied, and I've studied the Bible, but this was a week of leaning on what I already knew and going back and refreshing my mind on truths that I already had heard and studied. It was a time to reflect back and say, Hey, Mike, do you remember what this means? And if not, go back and look it up again and look up that word. I found myself looking up understanding. found myself looking up straight path. If we don't live what we know, we are really nothing more than hypocrites, correct? So today I want to focus in on our passage for living. A sermon from the Word of God on how we are to live our theology out. There are three commands and a promise in these two verses. These verses give us an overview of the believer's life. You could say this is a summary of the believer's responsibility in this world. Just a little background on the Proverbs. They are not like other parts of the Bible. They don't have a very strict flow of argumentation. Often... There are a few verses put together to cover a a concept or a topic. They cover uh, broad topics in one session, but then you also don't see a consistent flow of argument through the book. You'll start here and go over there and move around. and It's good. It's a good thing to read. It's kind of how my sermon might be today. (laughs) So, So forgive me in advance of that. Might not be the most logical. You're not going to see your PowerPoint beauty points up there or anything like that this week. Just going to speak from my heart. Show you what I've learned. Look at what I'm learning. 
and call you to pray for me and pray for our family. Often they're couplets in Proverbs. They speak about a topic both from a negative and a positive perspective or a positive and then a negative perspective. King Solomon wrote these, if not all of them, most likely all of them. Solomon was David's son from Bathsheba, remember? Solomon was known as one of the wisest men to ever live on the earth. God said this about Solomon in 1 Kings 3, 12. He said, Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. Wow, this was a wise man. Unfortunately, the man who wrote these Proverbs did not follow his own wisdom as he grew old. Solomon had wisdom, but he failed to apply the wisdom to his own life as he got older. In fact, the very things he warns of in the Proverbs, he goes astray from later on. He stopped counseling his heart with these truths. This is a scary warning, isn't it? A huge warning for all of us. Knowing truth and abiding and remaining in truth are two different things. It's really not how you start, it's how you end, right? Solomon wrote these Proverbs to his son who ultimately did not heed his father's words either. In Proverbs 1, it talks about my son and he talked to him directly. Or Proverbs 3, 1. Having the word and living the word do not always connect, beloved. Again, for all of you children out there, listen to me. Hearing your parents explain the Bible and live the word in front of you is not the same as embracing and living the word yourself. Please get that. We must embrace the Bible. Embrace the God of the Bible. Trust in the God of the Bible. Depend upon the God of the Bible. And obey the God of the Bible. Not just hear your parents tell you about it. My little six-year-old son has had to embrace those truths this week. I heard him preach to him at six. And you get a needle stuck in your arm. And you watch your father and mom walk away as we wave as he goes to get a surgery. That's a scary moment for a six-year-old. Apply the word, not just hear the word. The Proverbs have general principles for living that we all need to know and apply to our daily lives. They cover things like marriage and finances and work and wisdom. Today's proverb focuses on the individual personal walk with God. So again, let's look at these three imperatives and a promise for walking with God that we should all remember and embrace and obey. I don't know how far I'll get. We'll see how we go, and we'll do the best we can. If we need to, we'll do two sermons, okay? Last week I preached one verse. I'm going to try to get to two today. <laughs> I'm sorry. All my professors that are watching me right now just cringed, especially <laughs> Professor Montoya. The first of the imperatives notice is that we all need to apply and know is we must rely upon the one true God. We must apply or we must rely upon the one true God. That's your first point. Write it down. There's no bullet points, so you better write it down. 
We must rely upon the one true God. That's found in the verse, first half of verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust is a word that is often used in our daily conversations, but rarely explained. Trust is related to the words faith and belief. Trust, in short, means to re rely upon something or someone. It can be argued that trust is a summary or a one-word summary of the Christian life. Trust is associated with relinquishing our independent rights and desires. Trust is saying in our hearts this, quote, I'm not in control. I'm willing to accept what the one who is in control desires for me. End quote. That's trust. Did you hear it? That's what the trusting heart says. I'm not in control. I'm willing to accept what the one who is in control desires for me. That's trust. Trust is closely related to showing humility towards another person or submission to authority. So the Proverbs here gives the command, trust in the Lord. This means rely upon, depend upon, submit to, humbly accept the Lord. Can you tell I've been doing word studies? <laughs> trust is often hard for people, isn't it? Trust is hard for people for several reasons. Trust is hard because we have been hurt in the past by others and authority over us. Trust is hard because we're proud people. And we want to be our own sovereign authority. We want our way. Anybody in here like that? Trust is hard because it often seems like blind trust. Thus, we are ignorant of the worthiness and power and goodness of the one we are trusting in. Also, trust is hard because we are forgetful people. We forget the truth about the one who we are submitting to. Our proverb today is dealing with trust in God. In some ways, trusting in God can be hard, and in other ways, it can be simple and obvious. Let's start with how this command to trust in the Lord is hard. First, biblical trust is relying upon someone we don't physically see. We saw this in our New Testament scripture, right? 1 Peter 3, or 1 it says, in chapter 1, it says, even though we do not see him, we love him. We don't see God. Now, we see God working, but we do not see him physically. We, we however, are born wanting facts and wanting to have physical data. <laughs> I don't know how many times this week I've thought, oh, if I could just have a little bit more information. Give me some more information. You know, give me a little detail on what this is. I just want to know a little bit more about this aneurysm. Are we like that? But as our minds go to that, we then are tempted to stop thinking about the one we can't see and trusting in him. Biblical trust often involves depending on a work that we have never seen done before. We must trust that God raised his son from the dead, even though resurrection from the dead doesn't happen today. We have to trust in God even though we don't see heaven 
the promised heaven. We don't see it, do we? That's why it's hard. Biblical trust is hard because we're not consistently taught in our world that the great value and reliability of the one who calls us to trust. This is crucial. Ignorance of the higher things of God makes trusting in God very hard. Do you understand? If you don't know him, it's very hard to trust in him. You get that? And your world and the world we live in is constantly bombarding you, trying to get you to not know him, to redefine him, to make him what he isn't in Scripture, to make it about you. Biblical trust is hard because we're prone to sin and have a propensity to desire to do things our way. We want our way. We want our things. We want our children. We want our fleshly desires often more than God's way. Are we honest enough to all say that that is true? This makes trusting God hard. Fifth, biblical trust involves relying on God through often impossible circumstances. God takes us through difficult things in his providence, doesn't he? This makes trusting in him hard. Beloved, understand this. Watching my son suffer this week and facing the very real possibility that we could lose him is not easy to walk through. I would take his place in a flat second. Matter of fact, I'd do it right now. Right now. Matter of fact, I would take it worse right now if he didn't have to go through anything else. Please take me. But that's not God's plan. That's not God's providence. God wants me to trust him. And that's hard. Some would argue impossible. Biblical trust is arguably impossible. Trust is hard because trusting in someone we don't see, with circumstances we don't understand, with outcomes that scare us, is hard, isn't it? Impossible, especially if we have an unregenerate heart. I thought so often this week of those that I walked by and saw in the ICU room, those kids that had parents that might not have believing parents. That's even harder. Where was their hope? But even for us, it is hard, isn't it? The unbelieving heart wants to be in control. But God in His grace changes hearts and opens eyes. But what does God open our eyes to? Oh, this is so important, and this is why I'm completely convinced. And yeah, I'm going to say the word again. I'm a cessationist. (laughs) Man, would I love to have my son healed? Oh, yes. Have I prayed for him to be healed? Oh, yes. Many of you probably have. 
But the bigger issue is what I do with God and whether I trust Him with my son. That's the bigger issue. It says trust in the Lord. Now notice, the object of our trust is who? It's the Lord. In our passage we see, and in your Bibles it might show, trust in the Lord, and the Lord there is in small caps, not here, but in your Bibles, the Lord. In other words, Lord, O-R-D, is in, in small caps. Many of you remember that this means that it's referencing Yahweh there. It's referencing His name, the covenant-keeping God. So it's literally trust in Yahweh. The name Yahweh is sometimes translated as Jehovah. I think it's better to translate it Yahweh. So why is it important? Well, because this is the name that represents who God is in the Old Testament. And in fact, in the New Testament, it's the same God. Yahweh of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ incarnate. Yahweh was, as uh, Ronaldo taught so well this morning in deaf service, he talked about how uh, Moses asked, who shall I tell him that, I'm, that sent me? And, and God tells him, I am sent you. I am sent you. He is the I am that I am. He is the self-existent one. He is Yahweh God. He is a saving God, a faithful covenant-keeping God. He's the redeeming God. He's a good God. Get that. Beloved, trusting in Yahweh is bearable, even in the most difficult circumstances when we know Yahweh, when we know Him. It is so important that the character and goodness of God is revealed in His love for us in saving us from our sin. Do you know how many times I've gone to the cross this week? Why are you going to the cross, Mike? You need a healed son. I need the cross. I need a fresh glimpse of God. Do you know how many times I've thought on this as I've watched my son suffer? as I face the real possibility that he could be like this for a long time. You know what I thought? I thought, this is what I thought. My father watched his son suffer for me. And he suffered a lot more then even my son is suffering. Why is that important? Because it says, I love you, Mike. My daddy in heaven loves me. He is good, and he is kind, and he cares about me. My daddy loves me. And he watched his son die so that I didn't have to die. So that I could have life. And not only did he watch his son suffer, but he also inflicted judgment on his son for me. Does my God love me? 
Yes, my God does. Yahweh is good. And I trust Him. Trust Him, Mike. Trust Him, Mike. Trust in Yahweh, the God who saves. Trust in Yahweh for who? Who else can we go to? He has the words of eternal life. Where do we go? We go nowhere else but Him. We trust Him. The covenant faithfulness of Yahweh God is much more fully known and understood. And in the process, we then trust Him. So when I counseled my soul this week, it was trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh, the the same Yahweh who watched His Son die and even judged His Son for my sin. This Yahweh who loved me this much ordained my salvation and has opened my eyes to His glory. This Yahweh God who is in control was calling us to walk through this this week. This one and only true God we were called to trust in this week and the rest of our lives. You ask me, how do we, how do, we do it when one of our little ones' life is hanging in the balance? The answer is, we know who holds the little one's life. No, this does not guarantee Luke's health. But we know our God is good. And he has saved us by watching his son suffer and then inflicting judgment on him on our behalf and then raising him from the dead and providing eternal life. Really, let me ask you a question. Who else should we trust in? Ourselves? No way! We can't do it. I can't fix him. And I can't get me out of this circumstance. And even if I did try to get me out of this circumstance, what would I do? Blow it. The doctors. I love you guys that are working to be doctors, but I'm not going to trust you completely. Love you. Love you, brother. I'm not even doing that ultimately because he's a man. He's a creature. He ain't the creator. The doctor may be the most skilled surgeon who has ever walked the planet. But it is God who has made Luke's brain. And it is God who has ordained the number of days that Luke will live. Period. See, we know Yahweh God and that's who we trust in. And when our hearts get weak and we're starting to worry, we counsel our hearts to look to the glory and character of our God, Yahweh, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Think of Him. So Luke, this is for you, son. Brenda, this is for you, too. Where's Andrew? Andrew, this is for you. Caleb and Julia, this is for you. Here's the call from Daddy. Here's the call from the Word. Trust in God. 
He's good. Trust in the Lord. The Lord we trust in is the one who sent His Son to die for us, to save us from our sin. The Lord who saves us from our sin is also the same Lord who we are trusting in today to take care of our Son. And either way, whatever happens, we will trust Him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't only trust Him with the sacrifice for sin. We trust Him with every detail of our life. That's so crucial. With all that we are, because He is the one and only sovereign King of the universe. So as far as me and you, I hope and pray that your trust is in Him, not yourself or any other person. How about you? Will you trust him today? Will you trust him to kill your sin in your life? To mortify that sin in your hearts? Will you trust him in your own circumstances? That is the question for all of us to consider. It is only hard if your view of God is small. It's impossible if your view of God is small. But if your view of God is big... And the glory of his goodness is there. He's worthy of our trust. And we can do it. Now this is where I want to make a brief warning to all of you. Our family has not arrived. Just because you've seen Pastor Mike pouring out his heart and you see these things, it does not mean Pastor Mike has arrived. This trusting God with all your hearts thing is not a one-time automatic arrival into a higher level of faith and trust. Sure wish it was. I wish I could just automatically click. Boop! Trust! Trust magnet! That's me. I'm constantly trusting God every second of the day. No problems. Bring it on! That is not me. It is an hourly battle for a right view of God. Every second of the day, I'm seeking to counsel my soul that my God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. And what he pleases is his glory and my good. And his definition of good is for me to look more like a son. And that means I need to die. I'm constantly reminding myself of this. And I'm crying out to the Lord to help me trust Him. See, I know He even helps my trust. (laughs) My, My faith even comes from Him. And I will fall, I will weep, I'll run to the hills like Elijah. If God does not help me, He is sovereign over my circumstances, and he's sovereign over my heart. I need him. He alone can help us get through this. We need him, and we are reminding ourselves continuously he is faithful. So seek God, beloved. Seek God, beloved. 
trust in God, beloved, for he is good. Next, we see the negative imperative. Notice it says in the second half of the verse. Second, we must not rely on ourselves. Second, we must not rely on ourselves. And do not lean on your own understanding. So now we see the contrast to the previous command. First, we looked at what we must rely upon. And now we look on what we must not rely upon or lean on. The word lean is a perfect synonym of trust in the first half of the verse. They're interchangeable. You can literally switch it around. Rely in, upon the Lord with all your heart and do not trust on your own in your own understanding. The concepts are parallel concepts. So trust in Yahweh but don't trust in your own understanding is how you could do it. Where's our allegiance? Where's our commitment? Where's our dependence? Is it in ourselves? Is it in the doctors? Is it in the nurses? Is it in the medical professionals? Is it in our own abilities? Is it in our own theology? Is it in our own uh, ability to have lots of knowledge? Is it in our intelligence? Is it in our own value or is it in God? All of these can be part of your own understanding. Look, we don't all trust and rest in Him always. We have a tendency to find ourselves relying upon ourselves. Now, this does not mean we are totally ignorant. Say, I'm not going to go to this to use this really good doctor. Instead, I'm going to go home and just risk it. If Luke has seizures and gets worse and, and the aneurysm explodes, well, then that's what God had. Let's just wait. And, uh, whatever happens, happens. That, that's not what this is talking about, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't say don't go to a doctor. That's not what he means when it says don't lean on your own understandings. No. This is not what Solomon means. He's saying, in effect... Don't trust in yourselves to the exclusion of God as the ultimate sovereign of all things. He is saying, don't live as if you are your own king and whatever you decide determines everything. Solomon is saying, don't be so proud as to rely upon yourself for everything. That's the point. Who is your king? That's the question. You or your desires? God or his desires. When Proverbs says, do not lean on your own understanding, Solomon is saying simply, don't trust in you and your thoughts about how things should go. That's the point. Beloved, again, this command is both impossible and obvious. Again, don't lean on your own understanding. This is hard not to do, isn't it? It's hard because... We think very highly of ourselves and our ability. <laughs> I had that happen this week. At one point, I was struggling a little bit. Doctors were doing something that I didn't really like. Nurses were not moving fast enough, and he was suffering. And at that point, I said, hey, come on, speed up. He's hurting. Let's do something now. Let's go. I had to apologize to the guys afterwards. 
reality was this. At that moment, I was leaning on my own understandings. At that moment, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this now, and they are going to do it the way I say, and if you don't, you're going to have problems with daddy. And that wouldn't be good. It's impossible because we also want tangible, in-the-face, in-your-face answers. Man, how many of you are objective like me? I want facts. I want facts. I'm this kind of guy. Give me facts. Man, I'll give me ten reasons, ten consequences. Lay them out of here. Okay, okay, got it. Got all that stuff. Ooh, got it. It's in a box. I'm ready. Now I can make a decision. Truth. Got it. Got all that. Oh, give me facts, and I'll be okay. No, give me Jesus, and I'll be okay. That's the answer. And then the doctor begins to tell me that, hey, I don't know where that artery goes. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Come on now. <laughs> Give me more facts. Give me more facts. Even the doctor. <laughs> I'm talking to the, you know, here's a pastor talking to the doctor. And he looks at me and says, there's some things we just don't know. Oh, yeah, I understand that. That's why I'm not leaning on your understanding or mine <laughs> I'm trusting in the Lord not you and by God's grace I've been able to witness a little bit and tell him hey I know who made your hands and I know who made your head and I know why you're this smart because he made you that way and he's going to control your hands even in that surgery so I trust in the Lord not you sorry Maybe not quite that way. <laughs> A little bit more compassionate. <laughs> wonder if he's watching. If so, hey, Dr. Khan. <laughs> it's hard because we have seen as believing hearts, right? That's what we want. It's hard because we still have a propensity to seek to be our own king it's hard not to rely upon human wisdom alone because most of the world around us relies on human wisdom alone, doesn't it? It's all about another opinion, right? Get more. Yet, not leaning on my own understanding is obvious, too. Why is it obvious? Obviously, we shouldn't rely upon our own human wisdom at the exclusion of God because... This is relying upon a fallen world, a fallen heart. If I rely upon, and I know I'm a redeemed heart, however, I still have an old man. And you can fight through that in your theology all you want. The reality is, is it's still there. And if I rely on that part of me, wherever the line's drawn, you can figure that out in your own. But the reality is, if I rely on that, I'm going to perish going to be miserable obviously we should rely upon God not ourselves obviously we should not rely upon human wisdom alone because their brains are under the sovereign control of God in other words think about this for a second God is giving us and working through all of our thoughts to have us think what we think 
He's sovereign over whether or not our surgeon has it right or not. He's sovereign over whether or not he's making a wise decision or not. When he looks at the x-rays, God is sovereign over whether he interprets it properly. So I better, impl- I better trust not on the surgeon. I better trust in God. Obviously, we should not rely upon human wisdom because the only perfect human was Jesus. And by the way, he would have just gone healed. If he decided to. Obviously we should not rely upon human wisdom. Because it fails to acknowledge the one true God. See if we focus our attention too much on ourselves. And our own understanding. What we're doing is basically saying. God isn't important. Do you get it? Don't trust in your own understanding. Because you're actually mocking God. If you say it's about you and your thoughts, then you're saying, God, I don't need you. That's not the place to go. Would you not agree? That's an obvious one. Don't lean on your own understanding. Fifth, obviously, we should not rely upon human wisdom because it often rejects the God of the Bible. So as we trust our doctor to do the surgery this week, we're ultimately not trusting in him but God. God is the one that will make his hand steady or allow him to make a mistake. Did you hear that? And if he makes a mistake in that little intricate spot, it's not good. God is ultimately the one who has determined the numbers of days that everyone in this room is going to live. Psalm 139, read it. And everybody in the hospital too. God is ultimately the one who has determined the number of days and obviously... We better trust in him, not ourselves. Now, God uses people, yes. But people are only as effective as God ordains for them to be effective. Some of you might not like this, but this is what Scripture repeats over and over and over. I'm sorry. So trust in no human but God. Finally, we see third... We must all be about God continuously. This is such a neat little verse. Look at the beginning of verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge Him. This can literally be translated, In all your ways know Him. In everything you do, know Him. The idea is be all about God in everything you do. God must be the center of everything we think, do, Meditate on and pursue. We are praying continuously for His wisdom and guidance. We are continually looking to Him and trusting in His sovereign goodness. We are continually seeking out His word for answers. We are constantly proclaiming Him in obedience to Him. I have a confession to make again. This is not always easy. We want to keep Jesus out of some things in our lives, don't we? If we're really honest, there's areas of our lives that we often say, I don't really need God in that. You know, some of, you, some of you have talked to me often about how your job is so monotonous and you get in your job and how is God important in this and 
Why is, how does that work? Beloved, you need him there. You need him every second of the day. I'll tell you what, these surgeons, I bet they think that. Or if they don't, I don't know how in the world. What? Wow, it shows the power of the pride in the surgeon. But all of us need him all the time, no matter where we are. We need to know him. If knowing God and thus making him known is not your focus, then you will, when difficulties come, you will crash. Promise. Or you will be swept away with the pleasures of this world and never come to really know and enjoy God. That could happen too. Listen, beloved. Everything we do must be about knowing and revealing Jesus Christ. That's it. That's in a nutshell. That is the Christian life. I need to know him more. And I need to make him know more. That's what this verse is about. In all your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways means what? All your ways. All your ways. Not a little bit. Not sometimes. Not on Sunday morning only. All the time. He must be who we pursue. He must be who we know. He must be who we exalt. He must be who we live for. That is the Christian life. Listen, beloved, everything we do must be about knowing Him. We acknowledge Him. That is, we know Him and make Him known. Some of you might wonder, why in the world have I been on Facebook so much this week? <laughs> the answer is, I don't want to waste this time. I don't want to waste this time. You say, what? Facebook is a big waste of time. I've been told that Facebook's a waste of time. It can be. It can be. It's about your heart. It's why you're there. If you're there to just get some gossip from somebody, you're in the wrong place. You need to kill Facebook. Or better, you need to kill that gossipy heart. Oh, but there's temptation there. The problem is not the temptation. The problem is your heart to fall to it. Kill it. Why have I been on Facebook all week? Because that's the place I've been able to know and acknowledge my glorious God all week. I've been posting these things, and man, you should see the harvest. This is the time of harvest. Did you know that? Right now, we're harvesting. This is glorious stuff. You know why? I've seen people radically change when they see that man that stands up and says, God is sovereign living through his son being sick. Now they're going, oh, he actually believes what he says. Man, I can't wait. This is like, I, I think of that passage in, in John chapter 4 when Jesus says, look, the harvest is great. Man, Facebook is like, yeah, baby. I'm going to give everybody the gospel this week, all week long. And I've been talking about Jesus all week long. And everybody's like, give me more. Keep me posted. I want to know more. Great. Good. And what's really cool about it is, is that I've been encouraged in the same way. See, I think... I think sometimes we 
we condemn things and miss things and we aim at the wrong points and the wrong parts. It's not Facebook. It's not the problem. It's about our hearts. I bet the Apostle Paul would have been on Facebook. Really? <laughs> yep, in prison again. Getting beaten. <laughs> God... Got 39 lashes again from the Jews yesterday. Praise God! He's good! Rejoice in the Lord! Hashtag! <laughs> Suffering for Christ! I'm sorry, I think he would have. I know it sounds crazy. Y'all are like, what? It's been a week of rejoicing. I've worshipped. People are looking at this stuff, reading this stuff, and I've gotten messages from people that are saying, man, I've been struggling so bad with this, and God's just really opened my eyes to his glory, his sovereignty. i got people watching now that have never watched me and are hearing the word of God. Trust in the Lord. Now, people, trust in the Lord. All you people, he is good. Don't you know that when they were persecuted, they came out and they rejoiced that they were found themselves worthy. God found them worthy to suffer for his sake. I've actually said it this week. I said, can you believe that? I, you're using me? 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 Creator? Big God? Holy God? You've decided to use me and my son? Thank you. Thank you. We acknowledge you. You are good. You are the holy God that saves. You are the God that came to the earth to die for me. Praise the Lamb. I've had multiple ultimate opportunities this week to exalt my Lord and join Him by proclaiming His glory and suffering. This is truly hashtag don't waste your son's aneurysm. God ordained it, so he wants us to be glorified through it. So step up, or you'll miss the opportunity for a blessing. Now, I've been, have I been perfect this week? Oh, no. No, in fact, there have been moments I literally had to apologize, like I said, for being too pushy. And there were moments of great grief. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God sustains, that y'all have provided, that y'all pray for us. And my God who is in heaven does whatever he pleases. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your kindness and goodness towards us. We believe God. Help our unbelief. Thank you for being the good, all-loving, all-kind, gracious, heavenly Father who sent His Son to die for us. We worship you. We pray for Luke. We pray for the doctors. We pray for wisdom in the doctors. We pray, Lord, that you will use them and use this for your glory and our good. 
We pray this in Jesus' holy, precious name.